The pension situation in the Bahamas and the world is critical. There are currently no mandatory savings or pension requirements here in the Bahamas. National insurance is considered a supplemental fund, and less than 30% of companies provide pension plans, with most of the 30% being offered in the hotel and banking sectors. A large percentage of self-employed people have no retirement savings, and the average bank account currently holds less than $3,000. Thank you for joining us for Episode 1 of the CFAL Talks podcast, The Road to Retirement, where we will discuss planning for retirement and life after retirement. My name is Mrs. Claudia Thompson. I am a client relationship officer and pension administrator with CFAL, and I will be your host for this episode, The Road to Retirement, Part 1. I am joined in studio today with Mrs. Anthea Cox. Mrs. Anthea Bernadette Cox, Nee Delaney, is a retired bank executive. She retired on June 30th, 2017, as Vice President of Human Resources and Training of Commonwealth Bank. She has worked over 30 years in banking with more than 20 of those years as an executive. Her banking experience encompasses several financial institutions, including Commonwealth Bank and Credit Suisse Bahamas. During her tenure, she served in numerous senior capacities, including trust and corporate services, credit and loans, strategic human resource planning and management, recruitment and retention, training and development, employee relations, compensation and benefits, and leadership development. She holds a Bachelor of Commerce degree, cum laude, from Concordia University, Montreal, Canada, with concentrations in finance and personnel management, and is a certified senior human resources professional, holding the designations of SPHR, which is Senior Professional in Human Resources, and SHRM-SCP, which is Senior Certified Professional. Her passion for community service has led her to serve by teaching Sunday school, vacation Bible school, serving in girls' ministry, and volunteering at a local orphanage. She is married to Jay Ricardo Cox. So good day, everyone, and thank you so much, Mrs. Cox, for joining us today on our Road to Retirement series. We appreciate you so much for coming in studio with us and sharing with our listeners all of your knowledge regarding the Road to Retirement. Well, thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here, and hello to everyone. So how long were you thinking and planning for retirement before you retired? Well, let me just say, I am not your typical retiree. Because of my background in finance and human resources and having spent many years doing estate planning for high net worth individuals, I understood very early the importance of planning for retirement. So I was very conscious of the need for early preparation. Add to this that I was blessed with parents who knew how to save and invest and they gave me good advice. So I was very forward-looking uh, from very early in my career. So I had an attitude for saving for emergencies and investing for retirement. So I, I actually began uh, planning for retirement very, very early in my, my career. And um, I would say that when I turned 50, that's when I seriously uh, began to pinpoint a retirement date. 
But it sounds like you had a really good foundation to build on. I did. I did. That's why I said I'm not your typical retiree. <laughs> <laughs> but you should have um, additional wisdom, I guess. I'll put it that way, that others may not have and may benefit from. So did you have a specific retirement plan? Did you have a financial goal that you set and wanted to meet before you retired? Yes, I had a retirement plan with specific goals as to what the retirement income should look like for me. And what I did to help me is that I used a spreadsheet where I prepared my income and expense for my current position as well as the projected income and expense for what I anticipated my expenses would be in retirement and what I anticipated my projected income stream would look like. And so this helped me to see exactly where I was financially and allowed me to pinpoint the date that I was going to retire. Also included in that plan, I looked at things that I wanted to do in retirement and I began cultivating those interests so that I could be, uh, you know, busy when I'm in in retirement. So what age were you when you started to save towards retirement? Was there, do you remember a set time when you began or was it from the beginning of your career? As I mentioned earlier, my savings and investments started from very early in my career, actually in my 20s. I I was looking, you know, to make sure that I was going to be prepared for the future. That's a really early start. I'm sure a lot of people wish they had started in their 20s. But um, did you discuss your decision with your family on when to retire? And how did that conversation go? Yes, certainly. Of course, my husband and I discussed our financial planning and retirement from very early. And so we were pretty much on one accord. Now, I have a lot of siblings and we are very close in age. So we all talked about retirement especially as we got nearer to age 50. I remember just just letting them know casually that I'm looking to retire early. And so it was not a difficult conversation at all. When I finalized the date with my husband, I, I called my siblings and I spoke with my mother. My conversation went something like this. I just said, you, you know, I talked about retiring early. I have planned this for years. And I finally made the decision. So I plan to retire on such and such a date. And were they supportive? Did they say anything, you know, like, did you really think it through? What are you thinking? You could make more money staying longer. They were very, very supportive. Um, I worked many, many hours. And so my family, they were aware of the long hours that I worked. And they were supportive. And they were encouraging me, actually, to retire and uh, to enjoy another you know, part of life. That's very, very good. Supportive. You were fortunate to work for a company that had an employer-sponsored pension plan. Do you remember what percentage of your salary you were saving into that pension plan each month before you retired? Yes. uh, And knowing the importance of saving for retirement and knowing that I was going to retire early, I always chose to do the maximum in terms of my pension investment which I think was 5%, and that was matched by the company. Now, my company also allowed its employees to increase the pension contributions through the additional voluntary contributions. Those amounts were not matched by the company, but I participated in that, and again, I did the maximum, and I think it was up to 10%, but I did the maximum. 
Okay, so you were an aggressive pension saver. <laughs> aggressive, aggressive. Again, that comes from planning. And because I knew what I was going to do or what I wanted to do, and so I had a mind set on making sure that I was going to prepare myself as much as possible. So a lot of pension clients ask, you know, how do you feel about putting aside that much? Did you feel it in your everyday budget or where it was already taken out of your salary? You were able to still maintain a lifestyle, you know, without too much difficulty having saving, you know, saving that much on a day to day basis. I didn't feel it at all because, again, having a budget and living within that budget, it sort of helped me. And every year you would get increases. And what I would encourage people to do is, rather than taking all of those that increase and living on that, put that towards your pension. You wouldn't feel it. If you're used to living at a certain level, when you get that increase, you can put some of that away without even feeling it. And so that's what I, what I did. And to answer your question, no, it did not, I did not feel it at all. It was automatically deducted from my salary. Well, that's very good advice because, you know, you get a salary increase, you get excited to say, okay, well, maybe I can do this now or do that or afford this. But the real um, benefit is that if you put it into savings, you're earning interest on that. So that'll grow for you over time, right? And give you something later on in life to look forward to. That's correct. That's correct. So were you a part of the older model defined benefit plan or the newer model defined contribution plan? So... Um, for our listeners, the DB or defined benefit is where you don't really contribute as an employee. Did you have any of that in the beginning of your career where your employer would give you something based on your salary and years of service? And then the DC plan is where you contribute, which I, I know you said, and your employer would contribute. Was there a hybrid between the two or was it strictly just the match? Well, really on both of the plans, both the employer and the employee contributed. Mm -hmm. So um, I had the option to choose to either stay in the older model, which was the defined benefit or the DC, DB plan, or to transfer to the newer model, which is the defined contribution or the DC plan. So what I did is I took advice from the pension actuary who provided reports comparing my contributions at that point in both plans and based on the statistics uh, from the financial standpoint, it was more advantageous for me to stay in the DB plan. And so I made the decision to stay in the DB plan. It was best for me financially, and it also fit my re retirement plan. And that is to have a dis defined benefit amount coming each month to me. And you say that one was structured where you still had to contribute something both the employer and the employee contributed. What, what happened is that the employee contributed and that amount was matched by the employer up to the, the 5%. And then that plan had an additional voluntary contribution portion to it where you as an employee can put in more. Now that was not matched by the employer. The DC plan, certainly in, that, in my company, it was similar to that you can put in X amount, up to 5%, and that was matched by the employee, employer. You can also do additional voluntary, but that is not matched. The difference between the two plans is that under the, the DB, when you retire, you will get 
a defined certain amount monthly as a pension payment to your account. Mm. Under the DC, you will not. You get that as a lump sum, and then it's up to you now to go and invest that mm-hmm. into whatever uh, product you would like to invest it in once you retire. Okay, understood. So what were your main financial struggles through the years? What did you have to sacrifice in order to meet your retirement goals? And is there anything, thinking back, that you could have done without in order to reach your goals sooner? Well, thankfully, I did not experience any major financial struggles because I started saving so early. And I made it a practice to live within my means. I am a very disciplined individual Uh, As I indicated, I prepared a budget which I used to live by. Um, I talked about how I prepared my income statements that kept me on track. I I know it may sound like a lot, but it's really very, very simple. Uh, In order to meet my goals, I I was careful. I did not overspend. And for years, even as an executive, I I drove a car, for instance, which was considered to be modest. Um, It was a Honda Accord. And it was not until later in my career that I upgraded my vehicle. Another sacrifice is while I did take breaks and vacations, I didn't take elaborate vacations until much, much later in my career. Also, rather than renting, I lived in the family homestead until I was able to purchase my own townhouse. And as a result, I was able to to accumulate savings. So I'm satisfied with with all of the steps that I took to reach my goals. And I can't think of anything I would have changed. For me, it was having the right balance. Yes, I had financial goals in order to provide for my retirement, but also I was careful to allow myself to enjoy life along the way. Striking that balance is very important. And I think that's what a lot of people struggle with is trying to find that balance because there's all of these outside pressures. You know, you should, as you said, like as an executive, you're expected to drive a certain car or take an elaborate vacation. So maybe put your children in a certain school, live in a certain area. You know, there's societal pressures out there. So um, being a strong individual, obviously, which you are, you withstood all of that and lived within your means and made sure you had something saved for later on. Yes, that's right. And, you know, having a plan, once you have a plan, I find when you write down your plan, you have a plan and you have something to focus on, it will help you to stay focused and not allow yourself to want to stay in step or in tune with the Joneses. Mm -hmm. Because I know I'm looking to do something for my future. And so I, I would definitely encourage anyone to make sure that you put your plan down you focus on it, and, and you go from there. So were you able to do what clients call early retirement? Did you wait till 60 or 65? I know you mentioned something earlier about doing early retirement, but what age was that for you? Let me say I was blessed to have achieved my goals to retire early. So yes, I did retire early. I retired at age 58. That's very commendable. And a lot <laughs> I don't of people want to put an age on myself, but yes. <laughs> I know, I know this is a delicate, a delicate dance we're doing now, but a lot of people out there, you know, a dream of theirs is to retire early and live their life and enjoy things and, you know, not have to go to work every day. But um with the pandemic, you know, things have gotten a little 
more challenging, let's say. And so clients are saying, okay, maybe I might have to work longer and see what happens. But yeah, early retirement, I, I know quite a few people who did it. But like you say, they were very disciplined individuals and they really stuck to their goals and didn't really worry about outside influences per se. So what advice would you give to others that are preparing for retirement? Do you believe that you have to be completely debt-free in order to retire? And is there a minimum amount that you think people should have saved? Well, hopefully for those nearing retirement, I'm, I'm hoping that they would have already started saving. If not, I would advise that they begin immediately. And in addition, they should use some of that savings for investments. My advice is that they should prepare an annual budget List your income, list your expenses, so you know what you have coming in, you know what you're spending, how much you're spending, and what you're spending that money on. And that difference between your income and your expenses is what you will have for your savings and for investments. I would also recommend that they streamline their expenses. Live within your budget. Look for investments to put a portion of your savings in and contribute the maximum amount possible to your pension plan if your company has one. I believe that you should work towards being debt-free before you retire. So my advice is to go into retirement debt-free, and you should plan for this. If you are unable to do this, then know that some of your retirement income will have to go towards servicing that debt. And that can make it a little more stressful and strenuous for you once you're in retirement. Regarding the amount of savings you need upon retirement, that really depends on your lifestyle. Some experts say you need between one to three years of living expenses in cash. But it's important to mention here that in addition to savings, before going into retirement, you should look at your entire portfolio to ensure that you have sufficient income stream to meet your living expenses, in, including emergencies. So savings will only last for so long. Your income stream would include things like pension income, NIB, investment income from stocks, bonds, rental property, and, and so on. And it's also good to have some real property in your portfolio as real estate tends to appreciate in value. And did you plan to work or volunteer during your retirement? I planned to live my retirement doing things that I enjoy. And that includes giving back to others, enjoying relationships, and deepening my walk with my, my Lord and my Savior. So pre-COVID, I did volunteer work. I worked uh, at an orphanage. I was also involved with the girls' ministry at my church. I taught Sunday school and vacation Bible school. So volunteering is a way to give back to society and to the world at large, and it's something that I plan to continue doing. They say hindsight is twenty twenty. Is there anything that you would have done differently? Probably retired earlier. <laughs> earlier, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. I really enjoyed the, the freedom of being the captain of my ship and, you know, just to be able to spend more time with, with my family. That's wonderful. Your background obviously is in banking. So can you tell us a little bit about the pros and cons of a career in banking for our listeners? 
Well, for me, the pros have been the discipline um, that I got, so I developed from working in, in banking and certainly from working for so long. And, and then the other skills, too, that I developed, like attention to detail and decision-making, my analytical skills uh, that um, I developed with, with, with banking. Um, as regards to the, to the cons, banking, like many other professions, demands a lot of your time, and it could be challenging to maintain a, a balanced life. So what changed in banking throughout the course of your career, and which career paths did you see grow, which did you see shrink within the bank, which jobs do you think will be pivotal in the future? Well, throughout my banking career, I saw many, if not all, of the manual functions were replaced by automation. You had the ATMs, online banking, telephone banking. Also, what I saw was fraud became more sophisticated and thereby increasing the need for banks to put in place fraud units. Also, there were increased regulations and compliance regulations over the years. With regards to the career paths, the ones that grew over the years in banking were the information technology, or IT, risk management and compliance. Also human resources training and development, because with all of the new technology, training development was key. And so that area got a lot of, um, there was a lot of increase in that area as well. With regards to the career parts that shrunk, uh, for many banks, the tellers, the teller or the customer service representative positions, they, they shrank because banks were then relying more on the ATMs and the online banking, and so they found that was a way that they can reduce some personnel on the, on the front line. So the risk and compliance in IT is really the future in banking that's where everything is moving it seems because you know everybody goes into the banks now and it's a longer wait and you know there aren't as many tellers I will say I have noticed as well so definitely I think that is true but what do you say to clients who still like that face-to-face -face, you know interaction do you see that staying or is that going to go away completely do you think I don't think it's going to go away completely um I'll just put a plug for Commonwealth Bank. <laughs> so you can bank at Commonwealth Bank because they, they, what they try to do is they, they want to cater to everyone. There's some people who still like going into the bank. Mm -hmm. and, and so they, they still maintain a very good complement of tellers. And um, I think that, that that's necessary because you still have senior persons and persons who are not yet familiar with the, all of the technology and the online banking and the a machinery, the ATMs. And, and so to be, to be fair, to be able to provide them with the service, I think it's, it's, it's a good thing if banks will continue to have that service. So I agree. You know, I still like to go inside and give my money to a person and know that, you know, I walk out with a receipt right. at times. And, you know, it's, it's comforting to know it's in the bank, you put it there, someone gave you a receipt right then, it's done. You don't have to worry about, is it posted to my account? Did it go through in the ATM properly? You know, all of that. So, well, I'm glad to hear that, you know, that's not going to go away completely. So, do you think that it is easier 
or harder for people to prepare for retirement now? I believe it's harder now. And that's because of the economic upheavals. You have the shrinkage in the jobs in the marketplace, which making it more difficult for many to find or to keep good paying jobs. And then, of course, you have the higher expenses like medical insurance, higher taxes with VAT. And the other thing is you have easy access and heavy reliance on credit, especially the credit cards, which attract high interest rates. And that makes it difficult for people to save if they, they're using uh, that high credit you know, product. And I also um, noticed that the returns on investment uh, is lower during, during this time in the season. So I, I believe it's more difficult for persons to um, prepare for retirement now. Not impossible, but they have to work a bit harder. And of course, the earlier they start, the better. And so I would really would like to encourage, especially the younger persons, to start now. It'll be less difficult for them if they start now. Just put something away. During your career, were your colleagues and peers usually stressed and fearful at the thought of retirement or happy and relieved? I think it was a combination. For some, I think there was definitely fear and trepidation, not knowing if they would be financially secured, not knowing how they would spend their time, and anxiety in losing their work relationships. Uh, but I found for those who were better prepared financially and emotionally, they were excited to take this, this journey. So it's a combination, and it really boils down to how prepared you are. Financially and emotionally. Financially and emotionally. And it's important to stress that emotionally, um, being prepared emotionally, because many times when people talk about retirement, this, the focus tends to be on the finance part of it. Yes, that's important. But equally as important is your emotional stability, your emotional preparation, so that you can go into this new season prepared and with things to do um, and enjoying this, this new way of life. Well, thank you so much, Mrs. Cox, for this episode of The Road to Retirement. We appreciate your insight and please tune in next time for our conclusion to this series, The Road to Retirement. We would like our audience to take away from this episode that it is important to make retirement planning a priority and that it is never too late to start. If you can save and invest 5 to 15% of your salary, reduce your expenses and save regularly, you will be able to retire in style. Always be realistic about investment returns. If it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. And whatever you do, don't dip into or borrow against your retirement savings. Thank you, our audience, for listening. We appreciate you. And we at CFAL hope that you and yours are keeping safe and adhering to all of the COVID-19 safety protocols. Please do subscribe to the CFAL Talks podcast on Google or Apple for more thought-provoking and educational discussions on important issues affecting the Bahamian economy. The CFAL Talks podcast would love to hear from you, our listeners, on what financial topics you would like to hear our experts discuss. Please send your suggestions to info at cfal.com or post on our Facebook page or on our website, cfal.com. Thanks for listening.